0: Here's your opportunity to listen and learn from the most successful people driving growth and success in Palm Beach County and beyond. Welcome to the Business in Paradise Palm Beach Podcast with Carrie Stamp, founder of Carrie Stamp and Company, Principled Wealth Advisors. Carrie and his guests share stories and insights from Palm Beach County's most successful executives, entrepreneurs, and community leaders. Learn how they made it to where they are today, what principles guide them how they mentor others to achieve success and more.
1: Welcome to the Business in Paradise podcast. I'm your host, Carrie Stamp, and I have a guest today that most people in Palm Beach County are probably familiar with. Marty Dietrich has been the board chair of Jupiter Medical Center, as well as a legendary accountant in Palm Beach County, and served as chairperson or president or director of any number of organizations in Palm Beach County. So Marty is currently the principal at Raymond Accounting Firm in Jupiter. So, Marty, welcome to the podcast. And if I got something wrong, please uh, correct me on it.
2: No, nope, that's perfect, Carrie. Thank you.
1: Yeah. So, um, Marty, you started your business career here, right here in Palm Beach County. Is that right? Or did you start somewhere else?
2: No, I actually started here. I graduated Notre Dame in 1978, and uh, my family moved down a few years before my graduation. and. Uh, I thought this was, uh, as as the name of the podcast, I thought this was paradise, and uh, I decided that
1: this would be a great place to uh, earn a living and uh, start a family and have your career. And I have to commend you. It took you more than 60 seconds to bring up Notre Dame, (laughs) so I know that's a phenomenal passion of yours. So tell us a little bit about your family history with Notre Dame, your history with Notre Dame. And how much time you actually spend watching Notre Dame football, thinking about it, living it, and dreaming it?
2: <laughs> That's a great question. So uh, I went to my first Notre Dame football game at the age of three. Uh, my dad is what we call at Notre Dame a double domer, meaning that he received two degrees at Notre Dame: uh, undergraduate degree as well as a law degree. And he actually, uh, after serving in the Navy during World War II, he stayed in a place called Vetville on campus and. Uh, actually had four of my siblings while he was going to school, worked at this old Studebaker uh, plant in South Bend, car manufacturer, and uh, worked his way through school. So we grew up in Chicago, and I've been going to football games in the campus for many, many years. Sometime in the 90s, I was elected to the National Alumni Board, which I served for three years. We actually have a home uh, right near South Bend, and we go to all the home football games. And it's kind of like a family retreat for us. My two boys come with their kids, and we just have a great time up there.
1: And I heard from some mutual friends that your father might actually have had a car horn that played the Notre Dame fight song. Is that true?
2: It, it is. It is. And uh, wow. uh, back then when we were winning national championships, not so much lately, but he, he would let everybody know by driving by their homes or businesses and honk the horn back, back then. So it was great.
1: So at some point, uh, your folks decided to move down to Florida. Was, were you already here or was this uh, they brought you along?
2: Well, actually, they moved down when I was a senior in high school, which was in 1973. So I actually graduated from Colonel Newman High School in West Palm Beach. I was there one year. I was going to spend my senior year back in Chicago, uh, but I had a a serious uh, sports injury, and I decided that it would be a good time to to come down since I wasn't able to play sports for that senior year. I didn't want to watch everyone else playing the game that I love, so... uh, So I came
1: down. So you head back to, uh, you graduate from Cardinal Newman. You uh, go up to uh, Notre Dame. And then do you immediately come right back here to South Florida?
2: I did. After graduation, uh, I started with a firm in West Palm Beach. Uh, At the time, the name was uh, Nolan Lynch & Stewart. Uh, My resume reads a little bit different than a millennial's uh, resume in that I've only had three jobs, actually two jobs in my career. I started with Nolan Lynch and Stewart. I was there for uh, three years to the day, almost June of 78 to June of 81, and then I joined the uh, CPA firm of Lamb, Crilo, Dietrich, uh, also known as LKD. And in January 1st of 2019, our firm merged with the firm Raymond, which is headquartered in Michigan. And we have uh, offices in Michigan, an office in Ohio, and several offices here in Florida.
1: So let's go back to LKD, because it probably wasn't LKD the day that you joined, unless you broke off to form it. No, it
2: wasn't. It was at that time, it was Lamb, uh, Gordon, and Crelo. And uh, I joined in 81, like I said, I became a, a partner in 85, and uh, became the managing partner uh, not long after that,
1: and what the business looked like then was it a CPA firm that specialized in working with local businesses? Was it a tax practice? What was uh, what was LKD doing in the nineteen eighties?
2: Now, interestingly enough, it was very similar to what we were just a couple years ago in the sense that we catered to small business, catered to uh, individuals, high net worth individuals. We do a lot of trust work. Uh, back then, there weren't hardly any LLCs, so that mostly were C-Corps and S-Corps on the business side. And we did the things that traditional CPA firms do. We did uh, audited and reviewed financial statements as well as a lot of tax
1: work. And Marty, one thing that uh, everybody that knows you Knows very well is that you're a great people person. You're a rainmaker, and I would imagine that you were probably uh, one of the driving reasons why LKD brought in a lot of new business. Was that part of your responsibility when you were the managing partner of the firm?
2: Well, it turned out to be that way. Yes, you know, in any in any career, whether it be a a, a lawyer in the professions, whether it be a lawyer, a, a investment advisor. A CPA and so on, you know, to become the leader of the firm, typically those individuals are the ones that uh, generate the most business for the firm.
1: And so what did that look like? Did you consciously set out and say, hey, I want to get totally involved in the community and be in on all of these organizations and these boards? Or were you guided more by certain passions that you had?
2: Uh, I'd have to say it was more by passions that I had, you know, when you're when you're young and you have two, you have little ones at home, we have two boys and one was born in 1980 and Andy was born in 83. And, you know, literally back then, you're just worried about uh, getting the kids uh, educated and uh, and going and so on. Uh, oddly enough, it, early in my career, I played a lot of sports. I played uh, softball and baseball and hockey here in uh, Palm Beach Gardens and, That's where I got to meet a lot of the people that became business owners later on in life, just like me. It seemed like a lot of the people that that I hung around with would be the ones that ultimately were leaders as well. And we, we all grew up together, as I like to say.
1: And as I think about my career, I know that there have been a few people that have really guided me along the way who have said, you know, carry go in this direction, or when you're dealing with a client, be thinking about these things, and here's how you should be looking at operating your business. Who are some of those people that have had an impact on you? Well, I'd have to say number one would
2: be my dad. Uh, my dad was a very well-respected lawyer in town. He was uh, one of the founders of Gary Dietrich & Ryan in North Palm Beach. He passed away in 1996, but uh, he and I were very close uh, always, and uh, he, he, we would go out to lunch quite a bit during the week, and uh, we'd have dinners on the weekends, and he'd always want to know where I was, what, what I was doing, and so on, and, and uh, I, I was just sorry that he passed away at such a young age that he couldn't see. A lot of the things that we've been able to do as a family, uh, as well as in my career. So
1: yeah, and so you talked a little bit about your dad. You have how many? How many kids now? I have two boys, two boys, and five granddaughters. All right, and they are
2: living where? So our son Marty uh, lives in Houston, Texas. They just he and his wife Michelle just had a baby girl, uh, McKinley. And our son, Andy, lives in Louisville, Kentucky, and his, he and his uh, wife, Maggie, have four daughters.
1: Wow. And so your wife, who is a, a lovely person, Tisa, must just be thrilled uh, to have all the kids around at one time or any given time. And if I, I think I was at your house or in the backyard of your house playing golf a couple of weeks ago and saw a bunch of kids uh, out in the backyard, maybe that was even last week. It was. We actually...
2: Uh uh, the whole family was uh, scheduled to come down here on April 4th, and due to the virus, the, they had to cancel that trip, and it was rescheduled for this past week. So we had, we had 10 people in the house counting, counting our, ourselves,
1: which was a full house, and we still have four of them. And I know while you have uh, been managing an accounting firm, TISA has also been a business person herself, been involved in the community. Tell us a little bit about what uh, TISA does.
2: Well, Tisa has an interesting job and career, and she's been doing it for a lot of years. But she has a handful of clients that need somebody that they can trust because they travel a lot or have second and third homes. And she takes care of all their bill paying and reconciling their account. Uh, she handles uh, their accounting on QuickBooks nowadays and uh, provides them with balance sheets and so on. So she really provides a big service. You know, I've told her. Uh, years ago that uh, if she wanted to, that she could really make that into a huge business because the need for that here in Palm Beach County is so so huge. Uh, sometimes people aren't quite ready for a full-fledged trust company to handle those kind of affairs or even a, a accounting firm with a home office. And, um, uh, but TISA just didn't ever want to uh, relieve the responsibility to others because uh, she knew she could trust herself, but you can't always trust everybody you hire. And when you're in check signing positions and balancing accounts and dealing in confidential information, that puts you in a tough spot.
1: You really need somebody that uh, you know you can rely on, especially when you're dealing with a family that uh, you want them to know that you've got their back. So that can be tough to scale a business like that when it's purely based on trust. So, Marty, one of the things that you've had a front row seat to is the evolution of what's happened in Palm Beach County. I mean, I've been here for uh, 14 years, and what's happened in the last 14 years has seemed amazing to me as far as how much change there has been. But I know that I got here after a lot of it had already occurred and I originally moved into a development in Palm Beach Gardens that uh, was brand new, that was part of the MacArthur uh, lands that were sold off and I would imagine at some point you probably could have driven down PGA Boulevard and seen almost nothing. Where did you live when you were growing uh, or in your earlier years down here and um, what was it like? What's changed in the last 30 or 40 years? Uh, That's a loaded question, Kerry, isn't it?
2: Back in 1973, when I was going to Cardinal Newman, PGA Boulevard was actually a two-lane road, believe it or not. You would get on 95 to go down to uh, Cardinal Newman, which is near Palm Beach Lakes Boulevard, and 95 actually ended at PGA Boulevard. You couldn't go any further north uh, on 95 back then. You had to go to the Turnpike, and then you could get back on in Fort Pierce, I believe it was then. Then heading south, I-95 ended at either Belvedere or Southern, I forget which, before they did the extension uh, to the south as well. So it was interesting times. So there was no mall. I think the mall came aboard in 1988, which was 15 years later. So the development PGA National, I think, was the first major development Around that time, that was probably in the early 80s, maybe 81 to 83 when Lloyd Ecclestone put PGA National together.
1: And so you're down here, you're you're at an accounting firm, you're working with businesses, and you probably saw a lot of businesses that over the years have been incredibly successful, and a bunch of them that have, unfortunately not made it. And as you think about the advice that you give to new business owners, because one of the things I want to use this podcast for is giving advice to people that really want to take their business to the next level. What are some of the things that you would give a new on items that you would give as advice to a new entrepreneur that is starting down here uh, that wants to uh, really move their business forward? And I know it's kind of a generic question because there's all kinds of different businesses but what what are some of the things that you say when you sit down with a prospective business owner? Well, I'd say the first two things that come to mind is, uh, number one is
2: uh, business owners need to learn how to manage debt. Especially today, we have such low interest rates that People are not so uh, worried about borrowing money because it doesn't cost that much, especially in the short run. But it all has to be paid back eventually, and, and debt can be, you can become a slave to debt, and you have to be careful not to take on so much. So uh, I learned that lesson through a lot of my construction clients, uh, especially the ones that were doing the heavy construction like road building and things like that. They'd be around for, uh, some of them were around for 20 plus years and they still had all this debt. And then when times get tough, it's hard to stay uh, stay afloat when you have to repay all the debt and there's not enough work coming in to pay for it, to handle the monthly installments, especially on all the equipment loans. So handling debt would be number one. And then number two, controlling overhead is number, number two. You know, you've got to really, uh, you know, people... People don't need to do business with companies that have the fanciest offices. You know, sometimes it's good to um, to maintain a lower profile, have uh, lower overhead, and, and so on. However, one thing that every successful business has to do is you have to treat your good employees well. And that might mean paying them at or above the standard fair rate so that you keep them. Because as we all know, it costs a lot more to train new people than... Uh, And then to find, uh, it it takes a lot more time to train new people than to keep the old ones that are doing a great job.
1: You know, and Marty, the older I get, the more I realize how little I know. So the more I know, I guess the more I realize what I don't know. If you were giving a 30-year-old Marty Dietrich advice and saying, son, these are some things that you should think about for yourself, what would you like to go back and have had someone say to you that, uh, Marty, think about going this direction or doing this? if there is any such thing. I'll tell you, the best piece of advice I got, I, I wish I would
2: have received it earlier, uh, and, and and not to bring up Notre Dame again, but this actually came from Lou Holtz, and uh, as you know, he's a very successful public speaker, and he talks about this uh, system, he calls it the WIN system, W-I-N, which stands for uh, Determining what's important now, you have to, as a business owner, you have to decide what's the most important thing I need to worry about now, and especially in the CPA business where we have such uh, tough deadlines, like it used to be April 15th, this year it's July 15th, but sometimes as we're managing our workload and managing our social commitments and so on, time is a very precious commodity and you have to manage it as best you can, And if you just remember, if I, if I could do what's the most important thing now, you'll find that you, um, all the tasks that are, that are critical, you'll get off your plate and you'll feel so much better that you've accomplished things rather than, uh, trying to do 10 things at one time. So that, that really is great advice. And I I didn't hear that until I was probably in my early forties. And that really is just great advice, no matter what you do.
1: Yeah, that's really good. In fact, uh, one of Lou Holtz's example, I didn't, I wasn't aware of the wind system, but it sounds a lot like a book that my team and I are reading called getting things done by David Allen, which is, uh, it's been around for a long time, but it's creating a system of looking what is really important needs to needs to be done. And then pretty much not doing the rest of the stuff that you think that you need to do that isn't all of that important. So do the most important things. And sometimes those are the hardest things uh, to do immediately. So 30-year-old Marty's working for Lamb, Crelo, and Dietrich, and I want to go back to those days uh, because that had to be incredibly exciting. You built this firm over a number of years, you grew it, you found somebody else that wanted to own it uh, uh, eventually, but talk to us about what it was like, how many people were there when you started out, what did the team look like, and what was the growth progression of the firm over the years?
2: So uh, probably when I was 30, we might have had maybe 10 people. And uh, we we always like to try to manage to our bottom line, not necessarily the top line. So what I mean by that is I never really cared about having multiple offices, you know, maybe uh, one in Stewart, one in Fort Lauderdale, one in West Palm. I, I always thought that that would be harder to manage the quality of the work uh, doing that. So we always thought we'd manage the bottom line, which means if you can attract the uh, best staff to work for you, number one, and then if you can attract the best clients, it to me is all about the uh, quality of life as well as the people that you're around. So the quality of the clients and the quality of the staff, we, we have been so blessed to have the majority of our people have been with us for so long. So, for example, our average employee employee tenure is uh, about 13 to 14 years now. So that means every every employee that's the average is 14. So that includes some new hires that have been one and two. So obviously that means we have some that have been here for plus 30 plus years. That, in a sense, I grew up with. And, um, and that's been really nice to keep them and the quality of the work that they do. You don't even really need to tell them anymore what to do. They get the job done, and it's been, it's, that's been nice to see.
1: And it's a situation where the clients can trust them because they know they were there yesterday. They were there five years ago, and the expectation is they're still going to be there tomorrow, so there's no uh, need to worry about whether or not they're in good hands. So when the firm uh, transitioned to Raymond, what did the team look like, and uh, what has uh, w- what's been the relationship with the parent company since the uh, merger?
2: So maybe I could start by going back. Uh, we went through a process where we weren't really looking to uh, to merge with anybody, although we had been approached. Uh, several times a year for many, many years by different firms from all over the country. But there was a firm in Stewart uh, that merged with Raymond and we knew one of the, we knew the managing partner and uh, he contacted us about three or four years ago and said, you know, you need to to talk to the firm that I just moved with. You guys would be a great cultural fit. Uh, you'll really like them and so on. And so, you know, I was in no hurry to... Uh, uh, to do it, I was under no pressure to do it, uh, but but what happened was uh, I've got I g- had gotten to know the people. Uh, our CEO is a gentleman named Randy Rupp, who's a just a wonderful guy, and our COO is uh, named Stacy Kweiser. who's uh, they're they're both in Michigan, where the firm's headquartered. But what was so important to us is that the. The culture of that firm is identical to ours. It was just a natural uh, fit. You know, we just fit right in. And in fact, I used to kid uh, Randy that you know, in a in a firm of 900 plus employees, there's got to be a bunch of them that I'm not going to like. And I, every time I'd meet new people, I I, I swear I didn't like. You know, there was nobody I did not like. I always used to kid him, like, where is he hiding all these people? <laughs> I'm not going to lie. No, you know.
1: Nobody in the entire firm went to Penn State or USC.
2: <laughs> yeah. Or, or Well, unfortunately, some of them did go to Michigan. Though. Or I Alabama. Think they, I think yeah. they hid the, hid the ones from uh, Ann Arbor. But.
1: <laughs> okay. All right. So – uh, so you made a, it sounds like you made a really good fit uh, for your team and and it's been a good transition or adjustment. Do you foresee this operation, the uh, Palm Beach County operation continuing to grow with Raymond?
2: Well, yes, you know for for any business to be successful long term, you have to grow. So it's not like you have a choice. Uh, it, it's something that's uh, critical to your success. So so yeah, I think that we're well positioned to uh, have good growth.
1: And, and Marty, if you, as you look back and think about your career, uh, you had a, you brought in a lot of business. You had some really great clients. Was there ever one of those moments where you said to yourself, "Geez, I've made it. Uh, I've got uh, now. I've got this business that I wanted." Because I, it always feels like I'm growing, and I always think, "When am I going to get to where I want to be?" And I keep moving the bar. But it, there have been times uh, through my career where I've said. Wow, that was a really big win. Uh, were there any of those uh, that you can think of?
2: Yeah, you know there there are. Usually, you you measure that type of success towards the end of your year, and, and life is not all about uh, finance and money. But but you know when you you attract a uh, a, a well known individual or company as a client, that that gives you a lot of satisfaction, probably more than any, more than any money. It's just the uh, fact that somebody decided to call you over somebody else, you know. But the one thing I've learned uh, every year when we do uh, raises and bonuses to staff, it, it, it always hits you that we've got to grow by X amount of dollars just to break even from where we were last year because of that. So so reality sets in really fast when you think you've made it, that you have to keep going and you can't let the foot off the pedal.
1: Yeah. And I know with the reputation that uh, you've developed and the firms developed in the community, that there have probably been a lot of wins. You brought up the idea that success is not always measured in dollars. Absolutely agree with that. One of the things that uh, we ask all of the successful business owners is, how do you maintain some kind of a work life balance? And do you ever feel like work gets in the way sometimes of what you would like to do with the rest of your life? Uh, That's a tough question. Um,
2: In our profession, which is very deadline oriented work frequently interferes with life, especially down here in Florida, the best months of the year are February, March, and April. And that's when we're uh, doing our 60-plus hour weeks. So uh, so it's tough to maintain that work-life balance. And and uh, I I and my partners uh, always felt that we cannot ask our staff to work the hours that you have to do to be successful as a CPA firm unless the, you're there as well. So you can't just say on Friday, uh, you know, I'll see you Monday and then they're, they're, Saturday and sometimes Sundays. You have to be in the trenches with them and, uh, and, and they really appreciate that. Uh, so that's really important. So it's really tough to, to, to have that. Now, the new generation that's coming through has a totally different idea on hours to be worked and so on. And I think all of us business owners are adapting to the new way of life, uh, that, that, that those challenges present to us as employers.
1: I I like to think that they're challenges and opportunities. I'm trying to find the silver lining in uh, what exactly what you're talking about, but I can completely relate because there definitely is a new way of thinking. Coming from the Midwest, knowing how uh, many hours that I put in in early part of my career, and that there was little flexibility was, uh, was, was always kind of one of the things that I thought, you know, if you want to be incredibly successful in this business, you just do whatever, uh, you need to do whatever it takes. So when you're not working, what do you like to do?
2: Well, uh, golf has always been my number one passion. And uh, the one good thing about golf is that you can totally enjoy yourself and, and have a, uh, A great outing and be with some great friends and 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 even some good clients but you could still be somewhat working while you're playing golf uh, because there's there's four hours that sometimes five if you count the 19th hole takes usually an extra hour at least and um, (laughs) and there's that time where you have a chance to really get to know uh, your friends and some people And, and golf has been
1: a wonderful thing Yeah, and I know you're incredibly active in the community. Uh, Are you the current board chair of Jupiter Medical Center?
2: I've really been privileged to be involved with Jupiter Medical Center. I've been on the board since uh, going on my ninth year this year, and I'm currently right in the second year of my second term as uh, chairman of the board.
1: So tell us what it's like. We're, we're a small community. I mean, Jupiter is only 50-some thousand people. And we've got this hospital that is a nonprofit. It's not owned by some major corporation. It's right here in town. What's that mean to a community like ours? Well, it's, it's critical. Um, I'll give you a couple
2: examples. Uh, first of all, let me just say that as a nonprofit hospital, we could not do the things that we're doing without the foundation and the community that supports us. Because without that support, uh, we could not develop some of the exciting programs uh, like we're doing now, such as the brand new cancer center and the uh, cardiology program, uh, as well as the comprehensive stroke program. Uh, What a lot of people don't realize is that developing these programs costs money and you don't necessarily make, just like in any business, you're not going to make a profit from day one. But a lot of businesses, I'm sorry, a lot of hospitals don't want to be uh, a comprehensive stroke center because it's not a very profitable endeavor. So some of the larger uh, enterprises would say, no, we don't want to do that. As a community hospital, we say, you know, we don't want our Jupiter, Stewart, Jupiter and Palm Beach Gardens residents having to go away south to get treated if they're having a stroke. We'd like to have them treated right here. So we saw that as a large uh, community need. And we felt it was our job to fit that need so that the patients can come right to us uh, because time is critical when you're having a stroke and every minute counts. And uh, that extra half hour to another hospital might not be the best thing for the patient.
1: That's great. Um, Yeah, we're very fortunate to have Jupiter Medical Center right here in our backyard. It's just part of living in paradise and having a nonprofit hospital that will take care of us. So, uh, Marty, in addition to the hospital, I know that you've been involved in a number of other organizations. Are there some that you would like to highlight that over the years that you've said, hey, it was incredibly valuable to be involved with the First T, for example, or any of the other local uh, organizations, whether they're business organizations or nonprofits?
2: The, uh, especially on the nonprofit side, there, there are a couple that come to mind. Uh, there's one that I'm still involved with called LEAF, which stands for Law Enforcement Assistance Foundation. So what, what our group does is for uh, police uh, officers that get injured uh, or unfortunately killed in the line of duty, uh, we have uh, monies available to provide their families with grants uh, to help support them while they're either recuperating from an injury or or whatever the need may be that that's actually been a just a fabulous uh, charity to be involved with it's not very uh, it's not a big heavy lift as far as time goes but it's just so rewarding the uh board of the honda classic since golf is my passion that's been a wonderful board to be involved with as well as the first tee but the honda classic does so much good to the whole community and just benefits so many different charities with the good work that they do and Ken Kennerly and his team does just such a wonderful job with that with that whole tournament. And that means so much to the whole community.
1: It really is an amazing event. And uh, we were very fortunate that we got it off this year before it seemed like the world stopped. It was uh, pretty much a week or two before everybody just shut down. We had the uh, uh, Honda Classic in 2020. And I'm looking forward to it again in 2021. Can't wait until it comes back up. So Marty, if we can... Just, I want to ask you a couple of quick rapid fire questions. Do you have a favorite saying? Uh, from a business standpoint, uh, it's actually
2: our firm motto is put people first. And if you put people first, uh, whether they be staff, clients, friends, doesn't matter, you'll you'll succeed.
1: That's fantastic. Do you have a hero in, in sports hero? Somebody that you really admire?
2: Um. Have, to become good friends with Lou Holtz, who I mentioned before, and I really admired him during his 10-year term uh, at Notre Dame. I've had the privilege of getting to know him better on a personal level recently. I actually got to play Augusta National with him not too long ago, and he is just a highly principled, uh, just a wonderful man, and uh, they just don't make too many like him
1: anymore today. No, he's class act. Uh, so if if you were thinking about where you've been, where you're going. You built this phenomenally successful uh, accounting firm in Palm Beach County. You've put it in great hands for the next generation. You got grandkids now. What's next? What haven't you done? What would you like to do with this chapter?
2: I'll tell you, I've always wanted to uh, to write a novel. So i am when I travel, which is the only time I have time to read novels, so on planes and so on, I've come to really like this author named Nelson DeMille, who is the author of many books. But the one that I really like, probably my favorite, was called *The Gold Coast*. If uh, if you haven't read it, I really recommend it. It's just. Uh, a wonderful book of suspense as well as humor, uh, Nelson has just got a wit that is second to none in, in my eyes. And I would like to, I, I feel like I've got a, a pretty decent wit myself and I would like to try to try to accomplish something like that.
1: You know, now every time I'm good, every time I see you, I'm going to ask you how the novel is going. Okay, because I think that you you would probably be able to write a fantastic novel, and uh, that that sounds uh, amazing. I think we've all got a good novel in us, and just the fact that you want to do it is uh, is great. So let's go full circle here. We've been talking about your career, your business, what's important to you, and. The reason why we've done this podcast is because I really wanted to highlight the people that have made a major impact on Palm Beach County. And there's no question that uh, you would be on the short list of uh, folks that have been an integral part of the business community. So when you think of Palm Beach County versus doing business somewhere else, is there any reason why you would ever consider going anywhere else? Or do you think this is really business in paradise?
2: Well, I've said this many times, but I can't think of anywhere else in the country that I would rather be than in this Palm Beach Gardens and Jupiter area in particular. I mean, if you think about it, we have all the amenities from a first class uh, place like the Kravis Center to the quality golf courses. We have great restaurants. We have, uh, I mean, I'd say it a different way. What don't we have here that you'd really want? And. Not only that, but I have to give credit to our governmental leaders in Palm Beach Gardens and Jupiter, especially the planned growth that they did. You know, I mentioned how PGA Boulevard was a two lane road back in the 70s when I first moved here, but the planned growth that they performed, yes. uh, people like Mir Russo, Palm Beach Gardens, and others, they, they really did it right. You know, we, we've been able to accommodate all these new people and all these new developments, but we just don't have the traffic that the, uh, like people do in other cities. Uh, I really don't like to go back to Chicago or fly into O'Hare and have to drive from the airport to the city, to uh, downtown, because there's always roads under construction and there's, it's always a, almost an hour and a half drive, which should be 20 minutes, it's- uh, yeah, It should be. We're really blessed here. And then on top of it, except for maybe a couple of months in the summer where it's hot and rainy, it, it is just uh, so beautiful here and clean as well.
1: Yeah, well, Marty, I'm looking forward to reading your novel. We've really appreciated uh, having you on the podcast today. I'm Carrie Stamp. This has been Business in Paradise. Our special guest today is Marty Dietrich of Raymond and Company in Jupiter. Marty's been a friend for a long time, and I can't thank him enough for being willing to sit down with us today. Thank you, Marty. Carrie, my pleasure. Thank
2: you.
0: Thank you for listening to the Business in Paradise Palm Beach podcast with Carrie Stamp founder of Carry Stamp and Company, Principal Wealth Advisors. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of the Commonwealth Financial Network content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Carrie Stamp & Company is located at 110 Bridge Road to Cuesta, Florida 33469. Securities and advisory services offered through Commonwealth Financial Network member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor. back.